Hi everyone and welcome to this new episode of Norwich Theatre Talks. Up and down the country in towns and cities pride celebrations are in full strength at the moment. Here in Norwich just on Saturday we had an amazing turnout for the city's 15th annual pride celebration. One of the things that's become really strong in every city and town that I've been to to celebrate pride is the growing presence of drag culture and drag artists really finding their space in celebrating their identity within this amazing, amazing culture. So in this episode, we're having a bit of a focus on the art of drag and we've three amazing guests. Later in this episode, as we always do, I'm gonna be talking to a member of the Norwich Theatre team. By day, he is Nick Gordon and he's our graphic design and brand coordinator. But just over two years ago, he started out as a drag artist, performing by the name Jester Mirage. Also on the podcast, we're going to be talking to Joseph Ballard, an artist well known across Norfolk and who we've been working with at Norwich Theatre as a composer, musician, choir director and performer for many years. But today we're going to be talking about his drag alter ego, Titania Trust, and some of the work that he's been doing with communities and to explore the history and the activism of drag culture. My first guest is absolutely no stranger to drag culture himself. He is an internationally renowned choreographer. He has written several books. He has directed. He's even conducted an orchestra. He's perhaps best known for being the grumpy judge on Strictly Come Dancing, but he's here with us in Norwich because he's donning drag once again in the role as Miss Hannigan in Annie. Well, Craig, welcome to Norwich, and you are here opening tonight in Annie, and the role of Miss Hannigan, an incredible role, but a role that you've you visited a few times. Yeah, I, have. You? I started it in 2015 with this particular production and director and choreographer, and it's been on and off, you know, I, but I don't normally do the whole tour, like, which no. I'm doing at the moment. And uh, I normally do about three months and then someone else takes over and we share the role out. And of yeah. course, as you're probably well aware, yeah. I was sharing the role with the late, but very, very great Paul O'Grady, who sadly um, passed away. Mm-hmm. So I've taken on his dates as well. Of but um, I'm, I absolutely love the show. Yeah. It's fantastic. And it's really, what I love about it is the character I play, Miss Hannigan, who's either drunk or hungover <laughs> in every single scene. And hates children and dogs <laughs> and all sorts. So it's sort of perfect, really, for me. Right. <laughs> it, it, it is a fabulous character, but it's a character with, I guess, a, a slightly iconic precedence. I mean, you're playing it alongside Paul, who'd done it as Lily. Yeah. Carol Burdett was yes. in the film. I think Sheila Hancock opened yeah, it Sheila. in the West End. Where's yeah, your that was mis- back in, what, 78 or something, <laughs> 76, yeah. 76 something. We, we won't get the dates <laughs> no, We weren't born then, darling. H- how have you, where's your Miss Hannigan? Uh, I've, made, I've made her, I've tried to give her a little bit of class, <laughs> if you like. I play her very much as a desperate, unloved woman who's just looking for love and looking for a man to take her out of this horrible situation that she's in, that she's found herself in, living on the state, looking after orphans, and being very much alone. And her only friend, I'm afraid to say, is the gin bottle. Yes. You know, and I think that's why she turned into a a desperate alcoholic. You know, there's always something that pushes people 
to that. And yeah. I think it's deep unhappiness and sad that she never ever met the right man. And yeah. so she's desperate. Yeah, yeah. And in that desperation and through alcoholism, uh, she teams up with her brother and his floozy, <laughs> you know, in order to, you know, reap the benefits of selling Ali basically <laughs> for 50 grand. So, um, and obviously, you know, the moral of the story is the baddies go to prison yeah. and Annie wins the day triumphantly, yeah. <laughs> you know, as the daughter of a multi-billionaire. So, um, you, know, you know, what's not to love well, about that absolutely. story? And it is actually Christmas time. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. All like on Christmas Eve and uh, Christmas Day. So, uh, for me, it's a wonderful, wonderful story, a fantastic character. I get to sing Easy Street. I get yeah. to sing Little Girls. I get to dance a That's bit. That's an amazing, amazing routine. Yeah, but I play her as a real woman. I don't play, I, I don't play it in drag, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I try and divorce my drag or anything that I would do in pantomime or the characters that I've created over the years that mo not many people are aware of in this country because I haven't done it in this Is country except for when I did my one-man show I then uh, brought her back from the dead <laughs> and her name's Lavish and, and, and we saw a bit we saw a bit of you as Dolly Levi Oh yeah, there was and that. We did. I yeah. wanted to see more of that, actually. Yeah, I wanted to do more. Yeah. In television, it's very quick. Yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd love to actually do the whole show. I mean, it'd be great and follow in Danny LaRue's footsteps. Yeah. Something. Well, tell, tell us a little bit, because it, it's not your first time putting on a frock and a wig. No. Actually, that goes right back to the early bit of your career, mm. doesn't it? Um, yeah. Well, my first show ever was West Side Story, and that was yeah. a far cry from the musical I did after that, which was La Cache of Hole. Yeah, and that, okay. came out, that came out in uh, 1985, I did that in Australia. So that's where I learned drag, I suppose. Yeah. Learned how to do the makeup. Yeah, yeah. But I was playing very much a drag queen, a boy dressed as a girl trying to fool everybody. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so uh, for me, that was a fantastic training ground. And I fell in love with it so much that I wanted to do it at clubs afterwards, so yeah, I had yeah. to get my trumpet out, play the trumpet, <laughs> tap dance, oh, really? put my backing tracks on, on my cassette. With a trumpet, amazing. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it was great. So I did this, sort of created this character called Lavish, and that's how that was born. But I loved it, you know, I really loved it. But it got very popular, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be a straight actor. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and playing, playing roles like this, like yeah. Hannigan, for me, is a, a dream come true. But I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because in theatre making, we always want to kind of do different testing mm. things, particularly with well-known work. And that sense of kind of gender flipping roles, we, we've had quite a lot of that recently, haven't we? Yes. The company, what the, I thought it was an amazing show. Oh, I love that. that. Worked yeah. so well. Yeah, it did. Do you think the time has come for looking at some of these kind of amazing leading lady roles and actually you know, seriously thinking about putting them as drag roles. Yeah, yeah, there's no reason why Mama Rose couldn't be played exactly, you know, Mama by a Rose. man. And there's no reason, you know, uh, uh, Georges in La Cache of Hole could be played by a woman. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. there's absolutely nothing sort of stopping that in a way. Uh, and Victor Victoria is that story anyway, really, where you're yeah, gender yeah, yeah. flipping, you know, she's pretending yeah. uh, to be, <laughs> of course, a man dressed as a woman <laughs> you know, who sings, but of course she's a woman dressed as a man dressed as a woman. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, that's, you know, that, that was ages ago they were doing all the gender bender stuff then. But um, I think in all seriousness and truth that any actor should be able to 
uh, play any role that they want. That's right. And, you know, just be great at that. Mm. That's what acting is, whether it be a man, a woman or an animal. Absolutely. You know, we've all had to play, I've had to play a cat <laughs> in Cats. Yes. You know, so yes, I yes. had to try and study cats. Yes. <laughs> you know, and someone had to be the whale in Moby Dick. So exactly. You've got to, you know, so there are and the back half of the panther's horse. Play, yeah, well, exactly. But actors are there to play that. So now, yeah. now people are really trying to cast everything, I think, just as exactly who you are. Yeah. And I think that's sort of wrong, yeah. actually, in the business. And I don't see any problem with a woman playing a man's role or a man playing a woman's role. There's been a lot of um, gay men over the years, namely Rock Hudson, yeah. who played straight men. Absolutely. All the Absolutely. way through his entire career yeah. until yeah, yeah, it yeah. was discovered, yeah. obviously through um, you know HIV and everything, yeah. that um, he was gay and had to come out. Yeah. So, you know, but he was playing straight men all the way through. You're absolutely right. I think to focus too much on the individual and how they identify it's yeah. is doing down the storytelling and actually the the quality of the performance yeah but you it? did ask me about you know the carol Burnett and um and how paul sort of put a lily spin on it yeah i mean carol Burnett i loved because she mm -hmm. really was the insanely drunk one yes. you know and she i sort of got the idea of being desperate for a man from her <laughs> because she, at any point in any one of her scenes she was eyeing men up you know yes. and feeling terribly yes. sorry for herself and drinking but I loved her because she was crashing into walls and doing all of that stuff drunk. I don't do that sort of <laughs> slapstick comedy. Okay. I try because my ambition is to make her as vulnerable as possible as well. So I sort of go for the sex side of her and, uh, and, and that dark, terrible side where she is feeling desperately, you know, yeah. terrible about herself and also desperately you know, wanting to find love and Absolutely. just never achieves it. It's fabulous that you are having this opportunity to take on, take on these roles, yet you're, you're doing things on every front, aren't you? I mean, audiences in Norwich saw Strictly Ballroom oh, yeah, here yeah. fairly recently, and actually, you know, the amount of your choreography that's going out on tour, I yeah. like Hot Mercado out again. To oh course. yeah, I, I loved, loved that doing show. that one. Yeah, there were so many, I did Spend, 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 which I really loved as yeah. well. Because there aren't that many British, British, British ones that are written, you know, yeah. and uh, there was so much fun to work on something really sort of northern as well. Uh, I, I would never give up that side and my love for theatre, yeah. you know, as much as I do a lot of TV yeah, as well. Yeah, of course. And I'm challenged in all sorts of ways, like uh, my show at the opera. When I, I remember I, that. That, yeah. was, that was, you conducted... Bohem yeah, I conducted the, a tour of Bohem. Tell us a bit about what that project was about. Well, again. It's, it's extraordinary. It's probably the most emotional, I think, project I've ever worked on. I mean, when I watch it back, the final, when I see, when I see you know, what I'd achieved, it really brings me to tears because it's the music that lives yeah. through your heart, your soul, your blood, yeah. you know. And um, Puccini is just... Uh, so emotional and I just loved it but it was probably the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life in fact jumping out of an aeroplane with a parachute on was right. a lot easier why why, why was it so because I thought well if I land I'll just die you know <laughs> okay but but to die at the opera house and not really die yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and have to live with that for the rest of your life would be 
horrific. Yeah. You know, and there's something euphoric about jumping out of an aeroplane because you don't sort of think it's real. But when you're stood at the podium <laughs> and you've got, you know, 300 people in the orchestra and 189 people on stage in front of you, you sort of go, uh, right, I really am here. All those thousands yeah. of people behind and, you. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was really great. And it taught me a valuable lesson because I've been a director, I direct opera, I choreograph opera. And it, it, it taught me a valuable lesson about maestros and how much they care about the music and their interpretation of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't quite get that when I've been directing before. So for me, it just opened up that whole world yeah. of why conductors yeah. and maestros are so passionate yeah. about tempos, about all, you know, every aspect yeah. of music. And as a choreographer, I am the same because I remember going up to one maestro who walked out on me. I said, darling, it's way too slow. How are we supposed to be doing point work, you know, <laughs> while, while you're dragging it out, you know? <laughs> and I wanted the tempos raised, but of course it was, I, I learned that it wasn't my responsibility. Yeah. It was his responsibility yeah, yeah. and only my responsibility <laughs> to choreograph to his tempos, not yeah. the opposite way yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. And now I get it. Yes. I completely understand yeah, yeah, yeah. it. But it took me doing that show uh, to learn and understand, you know, uh, the real base to opera, you know, which is the writing, of course. Of know, course. But it's, and, and the storytelling. And is that, that, it sounds to me like that's something that drives you, L learning, always learning, not, yeah. not sitting back, cha challenging yourself, you know. That's, yeah, I, ch that's I mean, they asked me to present the one show and I thought, I've never done that, yeah. um, live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, read an auto cue, darling? <laughs> live. I, th I think people, they see you as a confident person but I was terrified going yeah. in to do that what, half hour show or whatever it is. But yeah. I was totally terrified yeah. because you, there is no turning back, yeah. you know, not on live television in that way. It's one thing judging like I do on Strictly Come Dancing yeah. because I have vast wealth of knowledge, yeah. you know, about that. But as I try and put myself into different worlds and challenge myself all the time. But even in, even in that Strictly context, I think I'd read that actually when, when you started that, Latin and ballroom wasn't necessarily something no, that had been natural territory, but you went and learnt, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I had to. I went to the late then Goodman's School of Dance did, did in Dartford. Did you? And he <laughs> yeah. drilled you? I did that <laughs> secretly. All right. I think I'd already got the job. Okay. But, you know, I, I wasn't employed as a ballroom and Latin specialist. No. You know, that's what Lem was there yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Bruno, of course, who was on the panel originally too, was there uh, as commercial dance side. Yeah, yeah. I was there as the theatrical storytelling side, you know, so we all had, we could have fights and have differences of opinions. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. I think it was all four former Latin champions. They'd all be banging on about the same thing. Yeah. And it'd be technique, technique, technique. And everyone at home has no clue about the technique. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Well, most people. So. I speak for the, you know, in layman's terms about what I see and people that I pick people get on that side of it and then start learning and understanding. But yes, it's true. I did go to Len Goodman's <laughs> and then I, the next year I wrote a book on yes. teach yourself ballroom dancing. So I had to then study the teachers, um, all the teachers notes and everything else and then <laughs> get, you know, my teachers and everything for Fantastic. it. So um, I'm very good at but that's talking the talk. Yeah, <laughs> well, you've walked. Well, I can, but you know, yeah. I haven't been trained in that world. No, so. no, no. But I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to it. Well, and it's now going. In, you've you are the longest serving of the Strictly 
judges. You're in going the into world. in the world. Yes. Wow, across all of the different There's versions. There's 60 worldwide, yeah. So will you now teach judges school for <laughs> yeah. this? Yeah, I could you teach people how to judge. Yeah. One must hold the pedal this way and bring it up <laughs> to just under the chin, one centimetre under the chin. And don't score it above a four too early. Absolutely <laughs> not. That's my advice anyway. No, I think my advice to anyone, you know, that is judging is to be honest, you know, and talk about what you see and, you know, what you feel. And that's what I do. And I can't come in with a preconceived notion or idea no. of what it is. No, no, no. You know, I think it's really important to see what the people see. Even if you watch a rehearsal, it's always different on the night because Absolutely. of people's nerves. And you don't know, they might stop dancing, they could fall down the stairs. I mean, you know, you, I, I'd never come in with a preconceived idea of what I might say or what I might not say. Fabulous. Yeah. Oh, Craig, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us. We can't wait to see Miss Hannigan trotting across the Norwich stage. With her nails. Jill. With her nails already on. Yes. Have <laughs> a fabulous time with us in Norwich. I cannot wait. Thank you very much. It's been delightful. Thank you. I like stories. Peter Pan? Alice in Wonderland? Nothing looks like what it is on the inside. What makes you who you are? Your face or what you do? The things what lurk out there. Can you be brave? This. It isn't pretend, it is real. All of it was dreamed into existence. Go away! Give me my mom! No, you stay out, stay out! Will anything ever be like it was before? My next guest is a Norfolk-based drag artist known to many as Titania Trust, and we're going to hear about her shortly, but please welcome Joseph Ballard. Joe, welcome to Norwich Theatre Talks and to Podcast Corner here at the Playhouse. Thank you for inviting me along. It's great to now, be here. Now, you are really well known across Norfolk, both as Joseph and as your drag persona, Titania Trust. Tell us, tell us first about, about your work as, as, as Joseph, and then we'll go into Titania. Yeah, so, so my work as Joseph began in Music Hall and Variety, really, and that's you know from when I was six, I was hoiked around the country in these music hall shows, and I'd never really touched on drag at all, apart from like dressing up in my mum's maternity dresses as a young <laughs> age and things like that, but actually um, it, it was mostly Music Hall and Variety and getting into Panto, but as an actor, I've done like my Shakespeare and I've done uh, plays. As a playwright, I, I sort of bring things out there. So I'm kind of a theatre producer and actor in that own right. Yeah. But my drag persona, my drag character has like always been seen as an add-on, but suddenly it's become a lot more of my life. And, and yeah. she has taken over my life a lot more than, <laughs> than I ever planned. But as, as a theatre maker, you know, I, I enjoyed the variety of things. I enjoy getting into a really good play. Original work is great too, but um, I do enjoy the 
the sense of music hall and variety and, and upholding those values and traditions because they're so valuable to today and a bit like yeah, drag yeah. there are politics embedded in them yeah, yeah. and right now to comment on social politics and to comment on that that the social standing of us as a country is so important uh, absolutely and and i know that communities within your work is is really important in fact you directed our community choir for, for a period yeah. of time didn't you and that sort of engagement with people that breaking that barrier between performer and stage oh. is really important. Uh, yeah, yeah, to me it's that, that, that journey. When we talk about theatre makers, we talk about the journey, but for me it's engaging people. So um, we used to talk about hard to reach audiences in the funding applications back in the day, yeah. whenever <laughs> it was, when there was money to give out. Um, but actually for me engaging people, whether it, it was through like Shakespeare Nation a few, a few years ago yeah, yeah. and with, with, with Norwich Theatre or whether it was through the, the community choir and, and other choirs and activities I run, for me it's about animating communities and engaging people who may not necessarily want to be involved in the performing side but actually love it and start to like it and you know we know why we love the theatre mm -hmm. and sharing that that passion and inspiring others to do it, it I, I love that so yeah, much yeah. and it, it I think at the moment you're, you're on it feels to me you're on that process of bringing Joseph and Tania and how they work and how they create closer together that's that's yeah, amazing to yeah, see yeah yeah totally I, I started off as Titania Trust back in 2010 um, a bit of a different name then and I was kind of a closet drag queen if there's oh, such well. a thing yeah and, and so I'd, I'd often perform in London um, and around the UK and um, even went abroad I've been so lucky um, at the time I was working for the London 2012 games as a regional programmer for four years so during the day I was in a suit or emblazoned in London 2012 logos <laughs> then at night I'd be going to Soho or Proud Cabaret and hosting these burlesque nights in, yeah. uh, in a big orange wig and, and, <laughs> and jewels so it was a very sort of different life back then and I've always kept a, a stretch separate and then I brought Titania into pantomime yeah. and um, I'm very traditional with my panto like a panto dame is a dame and a drag queen is is something that's so different but in today's world we're starting to blur those those boundaries yeah, yeah, yeah. and make it work so I put Titania Trust into panto and suddenly it was Titania Trust um, performing with the cur by courtesy of Joseph Ballard and I was the manager I was the, the uh, person okay. she had her own bio yeah, yeah. and suddenly I started to draw it together um, yeah. and but I still kept her at arm's reach yeah. but and I always talk about her in the third person yeah. which which raises well, eyebrows tell us <laughs> tell us about her where where, where did so, she come from how did she develop uh, what what's Titania's view on the world <laughs> well well so her, her she originally uh, came about through a favor for a friend mm. who had a bucket list because he wasn't very well and to do a drag show and he wouldn't do it on his own so we did a, a as a duo we did a, a dinner theatre set okay. in Beckles in Suffolk of yeah, all yeah. places and you know it was the best night and so <laughs> Titania was born uh, she was called Titty back then um, she was a bit cooler um, okay. back then and uh, now she's much more glam and her she's evolved over time but with Titania she's always supportive of pride and the LGBTQ plus community yeah. of refugee work but she doesn't understand why there is discrimination in the world and she doesn't quite understand labels so she'll talk passionately about the LGBTQ plus community yeah. but if you ask her she won't really tell you know what those mean because to her a person is a person love who you love so I like presenting things as her because she is slightly naive to the bad stuff that goes on in the world yeah. um, until last year of course yeah, yeah. and when there was a big change but what I loved about her is I wasn't this um, arrogant rude drag queen persona that people often think of you know they, yeah. those those quick-witted put people down things to me Titania's there to make people happy Absolutely. and make them smile and entertain and I love the work of Danny LaRue and that and that is 
where I would have been if I had a lot more money and time I would be sewing <laughs> on a lot more beads onto my <laughs> gowns because that, that is pure glamour yeah. and it was harmless and I like the idea of being an entertainer without too much baggage or, or anything attached to it because I was yeah. already aware that as a performer and as a gay man in a dress, I was already being stereotyped yeah. and put into a binary and I was petrified of, of that at the time. But now, um, Titania Trust, she's got a reason, she's got a cause and she is getting political. Yeah, she, she, come, she, she clearly comes broadly out of that musical tradition, you know, which Danny LaRue did, which a lot of, which actually Richard Gauntlet, although he wouldn't yeah. say drag, uh, his pantomime game is rooted there. Mm. So I was thinking just last week about Hinge and Bracket. Oh, Hinge and yeah, Bracket. Yeah, 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 often, yeah. often <laughs> forgotten about, but that musical tradition, very much family focused. And, you know, that's why, you know, the, the, the project you were talking about, the reading in libraries, which got that awful response and you had to, to face up to that. Mm. But actually she's the right character to be to be doing that and and you're channeling that now into into a program of activism which we're going to be working on uh, yeah. together we've tell us a bit about how how she's gonna stand up for that oh yeah <laughs> yes so so after last year we're getting a lot of abuse and uh, physical attacks and and people trying to you know attacking Titania almost as a separate person and then attacking myself Titania had to get political you know and she's all about stand up for what is right on the right side of history and have a voice and I thought but I've kind of done it but I've kind of skirted around the issue literally around what I'm doing so I thought actually let's put her into the heart of politics so all the things I've done as Titania has been for, for good you know always for a good cause mm. so for me now she's placed well to talk about activism with Yes, suffering things myself, I feel like I've, I've got a bit of a stronger voice. It's, yeah. you know, um, and I don't want to go on and on about being a victim, but those things have made me stronger. And I'm such a different person as Joseph and as a performer. Yeah. And Titania has evolved so much. And um, where we see activism, we look at drag and, and in the, in the week-long course that, that I'll be looking at with, with yourselves, it's, I'll be going right back to the roots of drag. And I'm talking ancient Greek times. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. cave cave people times and <laughs> um, right the way through into your medieval into your Shakespeare into um, then into vaudeville music hall um, into the first world war soldiers and going right forward but what we've got about um, drag is I used to avoid the term drag and drag queen a bit like Danny LaRue I'd say oh no I'm Titania Trust that's who I am but as soon as someone of one gender uh, dresses as something different Mm. Um, and doesn't perform it becomes political so I can say I'm going to perform in a dress and a wig and it's just pure entertainment there's politics in there because I'm doing something different I'm breaking down the boundaries and I'm presenting something that's different to my, my binary and unfortunately we're seeing attacks and and you mm. know abuse towards like the trans community and the non-binary community which is different to performance so yeah. we won't go going too much into that but what we're seeing is it, it is so political as soon as uh, that happens like you saw it when when women started wearing trousers many years ago. Yeah, yeah. That was a political movement. Was it about comfort? Was it about this? But what I found now is I'm embracing that and I'm, I can make a point and make a stand. And, and all the way through history where you've got music hall with Vesta Tilly being a really famous yeah, drag queen yeah, yeah. before those terms were about. She was talking about social class. She was being a posh guy in yeah. a tailcoat talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. And then we go, all, and then Dan Lino and his famous characters. Mm. But then we go through history and where it is the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence in mm. 1979 in America. You know, there is nuns making that stand at a yeah, pride yeah. event. So for me, drag artists, we, we're often louder, we're often much more colourful. Yeah. And we've got a lot to say and we want people to hear it. And I think that's where I'm channeling Titania right now is 
you know, stepping back a bit going, how can I really make a difference and use her voice yeah. and just her aesthetic to bring attention to some really good causes? Yeah, uh, uh, early, earlier in this episode, I was talking about the wonderful late, great Paul O'Grady, which, mm. who of course had his own activism because here was this Lily Savage, blonde bombsite character really drawing attention to social inequality as, as the girl from Birkenhead talking about, you know, some, some quite shocking things really. Mm. And I suppose at that time, you know, when that character, when that drag character was developing in the 80s, 90s, those were the issues to comment on, which was a lot about social inequality. Mm. Now, at this point, actually, the, the debate is different, isn't it? And drag still has that opportunity to comment on issues that are really prevalent around gender and sexual identity. So right now, it's really important for drag artists to amplify the, those, um, the topical things that we're talking about today, about gender conformity, about different identities and about talking about um, acceptance and articulating the differences and the similarities and um, actually we're just all human beings yeah. and education is a big part of it and when you've got that bigger voice that bigger presence you can educate people a lot quicker mm. yeah, yeah. and that's that's the superpower i think of our drag artists is we can do things quicker and much more immediate and right now we need to act fast because we're seeing people across the world and here in the uk being um, stigmatized or discriminated against so we need to act fast and loud and the residency is from the 17th to the 23rd of september with us at norwich theatre yeah. and just briefly say who's it for who 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 should come to this? It's a really good question because um, I've had a few people asking me direct about this and, and I say drag has no rules. So, um, so basically anyone, anybody's welcome who's got an interest in performing in drag, whether they've got some experience or maybe um, none at all. Um, and I have to tell you now, it's not going to be about RuPaul. This is not a drag race <laughs> week at all. I will refer to the drag race um, stuff that's going on but it's not about that and as you can tell i'm not you know i will talk about it and i appreciate its place in drag his history history however you want to call it but actually mm -hmm. um it's going to be about where it comes from and the art form and how it's relevant today and right. british drag is different to american drag yeah, yeah. but again i'll repeat that drag has got no rules anybody is welcome of any identity to come and share this week and it's a week of exploration and like we said about just now is it you can't separate yourself from your drag character and I always thought it was one thing but actually there's going to be bits of yourself so again I hope that people will come onto the week to develop their performance skills but also that exploration of their self in today's world. Fantastic well thank you very much Joe, for joining us on Norwich Theatre Talks and find out more about that session on norwichtheatre.org. Thank you Joe. Thank you. Now, if you're a regular visitor to Norwich Theatre and you book plenty of tickets, you will have seen these beautiful pieces of print that we produce. And my next guest is the person behind all of this stuff. It's our graphic design and brand coordinator, Nick Gordon. Nick, welcome to Norwich Theatre Talks. Hello, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, tell us a little bit, first of all, about your role at Norwich Theatre and the kind of things you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, so I'm the graphic designer and brand coordinator. So I basically handle pretty much everything visual that you're seeing across the brand and dipping into shows that we produce. Um, and it can vary between like the more mundane end. So I'll be doing sort of, you know, your information signage around the building to screens on the building, to the chalkboard out of the front mm -hmm. of the playhouse, and then like the more wacky stuff all the time, like clocks for the shows and odd bits of panto craziness. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's 
that people don't realise actually that they think the creative roles in this organisation are all to do with the work on the stage. Actually, we rely upon you to create the imagery for some yeah. of that, some of that work as well. Yeah, and it's really different in a way because a lot of the time you're handling uh, creating a visual world for a show that doesn't exist. Absolutely, um, <laughs> and that can often influence the show in some ways and build and evolve as you learn more about what the show's going to be yeah um so it can be a really interesting challenge yeah um and also the angle of well what's going to communicate what this show is to an audience who doesn't have much information yeah yeah, yeah. and how and tell us a bit about how you ended up working as a designer what was the motivation for that yeah so i've done visual <laughs> arts for a yeah. long long time so i did um arts at school and then i did an illustration degree um and then ended up in graphic design because that was where the jobs that I could get were. Um, and then this job came along and was a really lovely thing for me to find because it combines graphic design with another love of mine that's the theatre. Um, yeah. And, and you're quite a seasoned performer, aren't you? You, you are part of the really thriving um, theatre making community here at, here in Norwich. And we've seen you on the stages quite a few times. Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing Amdram for most of my life yeah. um, back in Derby where I grew up and then when I came to Norwich for university um, threw myself immediately in the Amdram scene here which is an amazing scene with loads of different things going on and loads of brilliant venues yeah. um, and it's just been a wonderful community to be part of and a very varied experience of shows that I've been able to have here. So therefore with that, that passion for performance, the creative design eye developing a drag persona and moving into drag art that, that, that that's natural i'm guessing yeah, yeah yeah it was it was an interesting thing where it kind of i took a long time to get into drag but it when it happened it seemed like an almost natural thing that i've been building towards without even realizing because it combines it i often think it's it's a melting pot of every artistic discipline that you want to throw at it so there's performing in there but then there's also the visual aspect that you can have complete creative control over yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was drawing drag characters before i then ended up becoming one myself yeah so. yeah i guess it's the difference between creating the artwork for a show that exists and a show that that, that doesn't you know you can start yeah. from scratch yeah you have there's something very thrilling about the complete freedom and for me it coming from a theatrical background you kind of have the the thrill of oh well if I wanted to do this number or play this character that I'll never get a chance to play, you know, all <laughs> these amazing female songs that are yeah, in yeah. theatre that we never get to do. Um, and then you can kind of think, well, what's my angle if I could go something completely wild and a completely new take on that? And so on that note, I've met your drag persona. Yes. <laughs> Tell us a bit about her and where she came from. Yes, so my <laughs> drag character is Jester Mirage. Um, she came from... I have always loved the more, I started watching Drag Race as a lot of people who are getting into drag now have found their point of origin. Um, and I always loved the outlandish drag, the kind of androgynous drag. Um, and I knew that was what I wanted to do. And I've always loved um, characters with, I wanted the most furthest transformation from myself yeah, possible. Yeah. Um, and coloured skin was a really, fun way to do that and that kind of I intended to do lots of different colors but the first drag look I did was the green a green goblin inspired yeah look 
and then I bought all the green makeup. So I was like, well, I guess I'll keep doing You're committed this. committed now. Yeah, um, but it's really become, she's become this alien character um, and really it's been an amazing threshold of stuff that I can do with her in terms of I've done completely monstrous looks that are creatures very much so. And yeah. then as I've gone further into drag, I've explored what does my character look like if you are in a glamorous traditional drag outfit and wig, but you're still green. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And how, how, because it's relatively recent for you, it, yes. it isn't yeah. it? How, how was it that sort of thinking about that move to then actually sharing this character with the world? That must, that, that must be a big thing, you know? Yeah, it was really interesting. It was a massive deal for me at the time. Um, and I've got so used to it now that it's quite strange, but it was, it was, I'd never really been to kind of queer spaces very much at all. And as soon as I kind of found drag coming out of the pandemic, I very quickly became enamored with it and very fixated on the idea of doing it myself. But that first sort of time going out in drag was terrifying. Yeah. And and my first performance, actually, I, I really hated my makeup. I was like walking there in the rain. It was it was all a bit of an ordeal, but I finished it and I I'd, I'd found it a very stressful experience. But I was immediately all I could think about was what I was going to do next. Yeah, yeah. And it was this fixation of. I know that I want to do this. Yeah, and it's and it's an evolving process, I guess. You know, you're you're kind of feeding from the audience because th there's so much you could paint. You're you're the canvas here, aren't you? And yeah. there's so much and so much scope for you to go with. Where, do you think you'll reach a point where she's done? I don't know. It's such an interesting thing because with drag, as soon as you get into it you go in hard it's, yeah, it, yeah. it costs a, it can cost a lot of money yeah. and it can take over your house and <laughs> you have all this stuff um so it's one of those things where i'm just sort of seeing how it, how it goes but it's really the thing that it's really brought alive for me is is aspects of theater that i've like always wanted to do there's an element of i've done amdram for years where you're participating in existing plays and other productions that aren't your own but being able to produce your own and come up with ideas and and it's up to you if it sinks or swims yeah yeah but you have you have this kind of as opposed to if i were to do like solo performances as myself you have this immediately interesting visually character and like a context that you can put her in where you can try stuff and if it bombs <laughs> it bombs and you move on yeah yeah um and if it and if it succeeds then it's it's so rewarding yeah now I asked this a similar question of a guest earlier on who's done drag for a little longer than you have and you, you kind of touched on it there is you can pick the roles you want to play in, in yeah. that persona you know there's this great game is roles I'll never play so if you were to take Jester and play any role oh <laughs> I mean Jester ha has a touch of the alphabet in Wicked yes. about her by her yeah. colour doesn't she? I have been it's it's one of those things where I, I, I kind of have to do an alphabet number at some point yeah. but it is I'm no means currently able to sing with any justice <laughs> any songs from Wicked um, that's, a, that's a big one that a big <laughs> that's one. a big one um, but I've really enjoyed I've the, the times where I've been able to do those I've d I do a Chicago number all the time and that's a show that I love and I love the choreography and I love the aesthetic of it yeah and being able to play with that um in a world 
that I have control of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and a lot of the time it's finding, there's a real fun and, and joy in finding the, the humour in a, in a serious song or the seriousness yeah. in a humorous song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love doing, in my show that I produced over the year, the sort of, uh, my sort of 11 o'clock sad ballad that I put in the show is me singing, It's Not Easy Being Green. <laughs> and I was like, well, what happens if I try and sing this Muppet song as if, it's the final moment of the show and i and it's a really heart-rending ballad and i don't know if i achieved it but i had a f i had fun playing with that yeah, yeah. context um yeah well oh, fantastic nick it's really it's fascinating to to talk to you about where you're at exploring this this new world a new identity a new stage persona thank you so much for joining us on norwich theater talks thank you very much Thank you for joining us for another episode of Norwich Theatre Talks. We really hope you've enjoyed the talk today. And if you have, please do let us know. We really value hearing your feedback and your comments. And also in the comments, you might want to answer the question, what's the role you'd most like to play? Thank you again for joining us. We'll be back again in a month's time. Mm -hmm.